0: And so we commit this young woman to you, Jamie, and ask your healing hand upon her, upon her body and soul. And for the Clarkson family, that you would be the lifter of their heads as you take them with you into a new part of the family business. And that for all of us, You would continually fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author, the perfecter of our faith, in whose name we pray. Well, this morning, uh, we continue in, in the book of Psalms, and as you've heard in so many of these weeks, the very few weeks, I guess, that we have already been in Psalms, all of the range of emotion and experience that we have, the highs and the lows, they are all expressed here, and sometimes expressed on our behalf when we're not even sure what or how to express what's going on within us. And so it's interesting as we come to the the book of Psalms, something that you may or you may not know is not only is is this book for all of God's people, for all time that God has had this book for us, not only is it a book of prayer for us, but it is a a book of song for us. It is a, a song book. Now, if you think in terms of Psalms as as a prayer book, it's probably not surprising for you to hear uh, that the most commanded Christian practice in the Bible is prayer. Now, that might not have been, you know, you might not have known it was number one, but you probably, if I had said, what's top five things that, that God calls us to in the Bible, probably in your top five you would list prayer. But what may surprise you is this, the second most commanded Christian practice in the Bible is singing. We are called to sing. Now I asked people this week, what are the top five, top ten things we are called to? And this was a hard one to land on. I mean, did, did, did you realize that God even commands that we sing? And that behind prayer, singing is the most commanded Christian practice for us. Now, if you were to, to look up the word song, or sing, or singing, it appears well over 100 times, 120 something times, I think it is, in the book of Psalms alone. But that that doesn't even mention the phrases that that reference that. Uh, Shout to the Lord, make a joyful noise, and so on. And so what, what I hope this morning, as we think about holding these together, prayer and song, is that we will see, and I even pray experience, the renewing grace of singing. Why God commands this of us and also gives it to us as a gift. And so this morning we're going to be in Psalm 98. Uh, You will find that, if you're using the Bible under the chair in front of you, you'll find it on page 500. Psalm 98. Well, let's pray before we hear God's word. Almighty God, our good and gracious God, you who spoke all things into existence, we thank you for speaking to us here and now, this day, through your word, which is living and active. And so we pray that you would now open our ears to hear, our eyes, the eyes of our hearts to see, that you would open our hearts to to believe, and our mouths to sing, to sing your praise, our rock, and our redeemer. And it's in Jesus we pray. Amen. And so, Psalm 98, hear the word of God. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. This is God's word. Well, as we begin to think a little bit more about this biblical mandate to sing this, this command that we would be singers, uh, I, I want to put an idea before you that that might be helpful. So I'd, I'd like to encourage you, if helpful and not distracting, but I'd like to encourage you to think of yourself as we go through this part of God's word. To think of yourself as a singer, as someone who is gathered here and who, and who is already sung. Or maybe it would be helpful to think of the. The special offertory that we just heard, uh, but to, but to think of how hopefully it will help you begin to think more about why we sing and and what happens when we sing and, and what it means that, that God has given us this gift and has called us to be singers. And so, as we take a look at, at Psalm ninety-eight and we focus on this this theme, this command, this gift of singing. Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to look at the purpose of song, the power of song, and the perfection of song. Okay, so that's where we're headed. It's purpose, it's power, and it's perfection. And so we start with the purpose of song. Why? Why sing Well, throughout the Bible, we see that the purpose of song in the Christian life is to glorify God and to clarify the gospel within the heart of the believer. So first and foremost, through song, we are to glorify God. Take a look, verse 1. We are to sing to the Lord a new song. Verse 4. We are to make a joyful noise to the Lord. We are to break forth into joyous song and sing praises to God. We are commanded to sing. Uh, to sing a song that is skillful, that is done with excellence. A song that is joyful, it comes from the heart. song that is praise, it is directed to our God. Now, I want to pause here because I realize as I invite you to think of yourself as a singer, some of you are thinking... Okay, there are people in this room that sound good when they sing. And others, myself included, not so much. So, an an example of my not so much singing. Um, So when I get home a lot of days, my, my daughter Mercy loves to sing. I mean, she sings all the time. And so a lot of times when I get home, I walk in and I hear her singing. And a lot of times it's in the kitchen. And a lot of times she's singing the latest hit off of Kids Bop. And I'll walk in and she'll look up and I'll say, are you ready? And she goes, oh, no, no, dad, no. And I go, oh, come on, Mercy. We can do this. We got this. And she's like, no, dad. And I just enter right in, even if I don't know the words. (laughs) Much to her chagrin. Now, she has learned some coping mechanisms. I'll point this out. She either turns the volume way up so that dad's voice cannot be heard, or sometimes she just turns the music off and walks away in disgust. (laughs) So my point is, is that I recognize we are not all good singers. Some of us are very messy singers. But that shouldn't stop us from singing. I mean, think about it. Some of you are messy eaters, and that doesn't keep you from eating. So, one Reformed theologian put it this way. If you do not learn how to, how important it is to sing God's praises regularly with others and to listen to God's praises sung, then you will actually not be changed deeply by the gospel. Now, that that statement reflects the biblical understanding that, that singing is not simply for entertainment, as as many see it today. It's not simply icing on the cake, for those who like icing. It comes from the biblical understanding that singing is more profoundly an act of worship, and, and a Christian practice, a gift to us to help us connect with our God, to relate to Him. Now, worship is about what we love. It's about what we give our affections to. And, of course, the most important love is love of God. One of the primary ways that we express our delight in, our our affections to God, is to sing his praise. Uh, To praise him for his character. To praise him for his work. So, verse 1. He has done marvelous things. Verse 2, the Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness. Verse 3, he has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness. Verse 9, he judges with righteousness and equity. So our songs, rooted in God's word, the songs of the church celebrate who God is and what God has done, and what God continues to do. Now, does that rule out lamentation or confession? Does that rule out struggle and sorrow? By no means. In fact, what it does is it sets them in the redemptive context of God's steadfast love. It helps us hold together that tension between sorrow and joy. Again, the testimonies that you have just heard both express struggle and sorrow, but also great hope and joy. And that's part of what our singing praise to God does for us as his people. And so, first and foremost, our singing brings glory to God. And as we we sing and we bring glory to God, something else happens. Because the purpose of song is also to clarify the gospel within the heart of the believer. Psalm 119, and I won't quote the whole psalm, uh, verse 32 declares, I will run in the way of your commandments, O Lord, when you enlarge my heart. Okay, and when you think of that, think in terms of enlarging your capacity to love and to receive Love. And so through song, God enlarges our hearts that the word of Christ would dwell in us richly, that the gospel might be more deeply rooted within us. Now, if you're like me, you know that God loves you, but at the same time, you often forget that God loves you. You know that He loves you, but uh, you're not really sure what that means. In other words, theologically, you say, yeah, that's true. Jesus loves me this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But then but then you know practically or, or more importantly, relationally, it's a real struggle sometimes to believe that it's really true. And so song is a gift that reminds our hearts and our minds of what is true. So if, if you think back to just over a week ago, we, we were just finishing up VBS, uh, a wonderful energetic week uh, at the church, and one of the, so the, the music leader, the, the leader who, who took our kids through singing each day was Molly McHenry, and if you were here last Sunday, she actually did that for us during the offertory, as she brought the kids up, she led us in singing. And there was something that she said during the week, and, and if you were here last week, something that she said that I just love. Music is like duct tape for your brain. I mean, isn't that great? Music is like duct tape for your brain. I mean, what a great picture. Music and singing are like duct tape. Okay, helping the gospel adhere to our hearts and minds. In in fact, for me, and, and Preston and I were just talking about this this morning, How there's so many times on on days when I'm about to preach, and he said the same for himself, but, but there are so many days when I am actually not ready to preach until I have sung God's praises. And why? Because my heart has not yet heard the gospel afresh that day. And so I'm just not ready. My heart and my head need that duct tape. And so song clarifies the gospel within our hearts while also bringing glory to God. And so that's a bit about the purpose of song. And so now let's talk just briefly about the power of song. It's power. And so I want you to think for a moment about the power of song in other contexts. So for example, high school, high school love songs, I only have eyes for you. Or college fight songs, we're about to crush you. You know, however you look at it, songs in those contexts, they have the power to connect us to one another. Whether it's two people in love or thousands getting psyched up for the big game, they connect us. They have the power to influence relationships. And within those relationships, what we think, what we say, what we feel, what we do. Now, also, there is power in song to influence culture. The Nazis thought that if they could capture the nation's music, then they could control the culture. They thought that if they controlled the culture, then they would control the country. And they were right. So song has a powerful influence on culture. And so it matters, what we as the church, it matters what we sing and so then most profoundly in singing to God there is power to influence hearts there is power to spiritually transform hearts with the gospel with the truth of God's word song makes God's word more vivid song makes God's word more memorable According to Colossians 3.16, song is one of the primary ways that the word of Christ will dwell in us richly, deeply penetrating our very hearts and our lives. So again, music and singing are like duct tape for your brain. So song has this power, given through God, this, this power to help the gospel adhere to our hearts and minds. And so as we sing to God, and sometimes we're aware of this and sometimes we're not, but as we sing to God, we are changed. Our trust and delight in Him grows in fullness, and the song of our lives grows toward perfection. And so that leads to our last point. And so finally, let's consider the perfection of song. Because deep down, we all desire, deeply desire, the renewal of all things. We all know that things are not the way they're supposed to be. We all know that things are broken and difficult and painful, and so we desire that all sad things would become untrue, that our broken world and broken lives would be mended And made whole. And song stirs up in us anticipation. We sing about who God is and what God has done, but we also look ahead. Song stirs up in us anticipation for the day that Jesus will come back. Anticipation for the day that Jesus will make all things right song stirs up in us anticipation for that great day, as John records in Revelation. When Jesus will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and death shall be no more. When there shall no longer be mourning, or crying, or pain. When the broken things will have passed away, and we will sing a new song forever song stirs up in us anticipation for the day when the song of our lives will be made perfect. The grand symphony of the lives of the people of God in perfect harmony in perfect peace. And it's then that we will fully hear the song of our Savior, Now, we hear parts of his song today, and in fact, you heard some of that this morning. The words of grace, Zephaniah 3, 17. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Our God is a singing God. We were created in the image of God. God. Therefore, we were created to reflect him as those who sing. Our God sings. Now, the writer of Hebrews gives us a glimpse into what our singing Savior is doing now. And and what he will continue to do when he returns. And so just listen uh, to these words. Uh, From Hebrews chapter 2. We see Jesus who is crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone, might arrest it. We see the author of our salvation, who is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters, and who says, verse 12, I will tell of your name, O God, to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation I will sing your praise. Did you hear that? In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise, O God. Jesus is singing. And he's singing in the midst of the congregation. He is singing in the midst of the people of God. And so then that begs the question, well, what is he singing? And what is he singing right here? Well, Jesus is again quoting from Psalm 22. And I say again because when was the first time we heard Psalm 22 from the lips of Jesus? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My hands and my feet are pierced. I am being poured out like a drink offering. My God, my God, Why have you forsaken me? We hear these words when on the cross, Jesus died for our sins. When Jesus died for those who would put their faith in him, who would trust in his finished work for you and for me. But this cry from the cross... This cry in darkness, that's not how the psalm ends. That's not how Psalm 22 ends. No, Jesus our Lord, our Savior, our King, here in Hebrews 2, our brother, Jesus will lead us, his family, in singing praise to our Father. Again, Jesus declares from Psalm 22, I will tell of your name, O oh God, to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. I will sing. I will celebrate your salvation. Now, speaking of brothers, I think of my own brother, Matt. Uh, some, of, some of you have met him. Uh, he's been down here uh, several times. He is an actor and a singer, uh, living up in New York City, and, and he has a beautifully trained voice. Uh, he, he sings with great clarity and power. And we don't get to worship together all that often, but when we do, and I often think of, of Christmas time, uh, a lot of times he comes down from Manhattan and my parents come up from just north of Atlanta, and of course there are already five Mondays here in Williamsburg. And so when, when it's all of us, there, there are eight of us, uh, not a huge group, but when we're, in, when we're in corporate worship together, most of the time, rather than sitting all eight of us in a row, we'll usually have three or four sitting in, in the front row, and then four or five sitting uh, right behind. And, and what I love are the times when my brother is sitting right behind me. Now, he knows he's not in the midst of a performance, and so he dials it back, but still, he knows we are singing praise to God. And what I love about those moments because I've already mentioned my, my broken, struggling voice. But I love that in those moments of singing praise to God, the beauty and the strength and the power of His voice rushes from behind me. It enfolds me. It lifts my voice and makes it beautiful. And that's a picture of the gospel. You see, as one commentator puts it, not only when God looks at me does he see the beauty of Jesus, but also when God listens to me, he hears the voice of Jesus. Now, as you know, at the end of the service, in just a, a few moments, we will stand and we will sing together. And as we have heard, Jesus, by His Spirit, will be singing in the midst of the congregation. He will be singing with us, and He will be singing through us. And His voice will wrap around and enfold ours and lift ours up and make it beautiful. And that's just a taste of all that's to come. Because, friends, when Jesus returns to make all things right, our broken voices, our broken lives will be made new. They will be fully restored. And the song will be made perfect. So, brothers and sisters, I encourage you to sing sing that you might believe more fully sing that you might be transformed more deeply sing that we together might be built up as the people of God until that great day when he comes back in the symphony of our lives is made perfect and whole in him amen Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have sung salvation to us and that you continue to work in our lives. And even now, we pray that you would tune our hearts to sing your praise, that singing of your salvation would deepen our love for you and would grow our trust in you and that we would grow in the anticipation of that great day when you come back and make all things new. And even now we pray, come, Lord Jesus, come. Please stand.